Season 1, Episode 14 of the Echo Corpus Christi Podcast, the podcast featuring Corpus Christi's creators, makers, doers, and builders. Matt Workhoven is our guest on this episode. Matt is the first, second-generation business owner that we've had on the show. Matt's the general manager of CC Cycle Plaza, which he runs along with his brother. Their parents started the business in 1986 as a Kawasaki dealership, and Matt has grown it into a significant enterprise representing additional brands like Indian and Victory Motorcycles, Can-Am, Sea-Doo, Yamaha, and Mahindra. Matt has also expanded the business into fleet sales, and he and his wife Natalie created a side project named Joyride Rentals, and will be delighted to rent you a golf cart for your beach cruising needs. The Workhoven family story is a classic Great American tale with an immigrant father who worked his way up from flipping burgers at In-N-Out Burger in California to creating and owning CC Cycle Plaza. It's fun to see Corpus supporting a second generation of leadership at CC Cycle Plaza, and it's exciting to hear Matt's entrepreneurial focus on building for the future of Corpus Christi. Let's visit with Matt. Well, Matt, welcome to the Echo Corpus Christi podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, we're glad you decided to come on today, and thank you for taking the time. And I'm going to apologize on the record for my tardiness, and, and I appreciate your flexibility. Thank you. That's my pleasure. No problem. Well, the first question we start off with on the podcast is, what is your Corpus story? Are you a born and raised Corpus Christian, or are you uh, a transplant to the city? Uh, well, I've been here most of my life, but I was actually born and raised, or born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, moved here when I was three years old, about to turn four. Uh, mainly because my parents were opening this business. And so um, grew up throughout Corpus all the way until high school. My parents built a house out at Lake Mathis. And so I, uh, I finished my high school years out at uh, Orange Grove High okay. School and then uh, came back to Corpus and uh, completed my college education at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Awesome. So how long have you been working in the family business here at CC Cycle Plaza? Since I was three. Okay. Right, <laughs> no, <right>. Just kidding. <laughs> good. Good. Uh, no, I, I uh, full time since about two thousand. Okay. Uh, but my dad has a very strong work ethic, and mm -hmm. I think the summer of my seventh grade year, he said, "You're not sitting home. You're coming to work. You're going to learn some uh, some skills." And so, um, since then, every summer, every Saturday, I've I've had a home here. You know, mm -hmm. uh, back then we had a building across the street. We came over here in two thousand two, but uh, just something I've come to love and enjoy mm -hmm. each and every day. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have one older brother, about okay. three years older than me, and uh, he works within the organization as well. Okay. Does your father still work in the business actively? No. I mean, he's, he's completely retired. He's been retired for just shy of five years now. But okay. uh, as most business owners will tell you, if it's the, the business you started, it's kind of your baby. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm sure he wakes up every day and checks a bank account, looks through some of our vendors and just... He loves to see the, the pulse of the business and, sure. and reminds me of that all the time. Well, that's helpful. It makes for a family, interesting family gatherings, I would imagine. Yeah, it does. Um, so when did he start the company? What year? Uh, they started in 1986. Okay. Um, the, the fun story behind it is that my parents, uh, my dad's from Holland. He was actually born in Curacao, lived in Holland, and migrated over when he was a young teenager with his parents. Um, lived in California. Mm -hmm. I think he started, his first job was at an In-N-Out. Awesome. Um, but got hired on with Kawasaki Corporate and worked uh, over the course of a year into managing their main parts warehouse for America okay. out there in Anaheim, California. Uh, my mom got hired on as a secretary, and they met at a, uh, a company picnic or a lunch awesome. where they were testing one of the first personal watercrafts. Oh, really? And so they they met um, and uh, you know got together and fell in love, all that mm -hmm. fun stuff. 
got married. My dad wanted to leave the rat race of California, as did my mom. And so they took a district manager position in Oklahoma. Okay. So he basically was a manager of, you know, a, a large amount of Kawasaki dealerships throughout a five-state region. Okay. And um, did that for eight years, during which time my brother and myself were born. And he just got tired of being on the road, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he wanted to be his own boss, I guess, during that whole time. Sure. And, um, you know, an opportunity down here in Corpus came up and, and uh, they kind of sourced some extra income from some family members and took that opportunity, sold everything that they had and moved down here, mm-hmm. you know, and I... It's one of those things I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for my parents. They they took a risk that I can't see myself taking. Uh, we lived in a, a travel trailer you pull behind your car sure. for six months, lived in a mobile home park in the bluff for like three years, mm-hmm. and then gradually just stepped up out of there. But uh, it's awesome. just uh, the true American spirit of like jumping into a business and starting it and, and going full speed. They also, um, when they moved down here and, and bought the business, there were eight other dealerships in town. Okay. Apparently motorcycling was a very big um, economy or a mm-hmm. big um, opportunity back in the, the late 70s, early 80s or mid 80s. Sure. Um, and, you know, they started, it was them two. And then we had a technician come on in August of that same year of 1986. Okay. And he just retired uh, December 31st of last year. Wow. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, what a story. So I'm glad you pronounced the island Curacao because I would have never known how to pronounce (laughs) it. I'm glad you you got that out there for me. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. So when your dad and mom started the business, was it always named CC Cycle Plaza or did it have a different name to get started? Uh, It just started as Corp... uh, sorry, it started as Kawasaki of Corpus Christi. Okay. And then uh, I think in 92, we took on Yamaha. And so it was like Kawasaki Yamaha of Corpus Christi. And so that's pretty much how we, we stayed. We took on BMW at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Articat for a little bit and even Polaris four-wheelers for a little bit okay. way back. Some, sometime in the early nineties, we had most of these different brands. Um, but you know, as a business owner will tell you, sometimes some brands don't work for you. Sure. You have to, you have to cut your losses and move on. And, and so my dad was very good about reacting to what's selling and what's not mm-hmm. and, and what's benefiting the dealership the most. And so. Um, we remained just a, a Kawasaki and Yamaha dealership through most of my childhood. Okay. Um, we added, well, in 2002, we built this building where we're in now. It okay. was an empty lot, and so we built this building and um, never thought we'd fill it up. You know, mm-hmm. we used to have the service department in this building, and now we have three buildings here. We have one that's sure. our sales uh, floor, one that's our service department, and one that's a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, in 06, we added Victory Motorcycles and, and did decent with them. And then in the last couple of years, I've added uh, Slingshot, Indian Motorcycles, okay. Can-Am, Sea-Doo, and Rocksor. So I've never heard of Slingshot. What do they make? So Slingshot is a Polaris product. It looks like the okay. Batmobile. Three oh. wheels, two wheels in the front, right. one wheel in the back. Yeah. It is just a, uh, it's a blast to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be that person that wants to be seen because you're sure. going to get seen everywhere you go and people are going to want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that I see myself riding every day, but you know they're fun to get behind the wheel of and and spin around town every now and then. So does that, the rear wheel, does, is that the steering wheel in the back or do they steer in the front like a regular Steer in the vehicle? front just okay. like a regular car. Uh, the power and drivetrain is based off a motorcycle. Okay. The engine is a regular car engine, but it's stick shift. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of thrill to that. Very easy to drive. Right. You're five inches off the ground. So it's weird. You'll pass up like an 18 wheeler and you're seeing up underneath the, oh, uh, the man, trailer. Me out. And yeah, wow. when you're looking at those tires sure. right next to you, you, you know, you see how <coughs> vulnerable you kind of are. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of caters to the the clientele that we serve, you know. Right. People like a little bit of freedom and adventure and 
And a lot of the product that we, we sell caters to that. Do you find a lot of crossover owners that own motorcycle brands and UTV or and brands and then the slingshot? Or are they all, are your owners typically, we're really into this particular kind of unit as opposed to all across the board? <sighs> yes and no. Uh, there's definitely segments. There's definitely a hardcore group of motorcycle people. Okay. Uh, and then we used to rely heavily upon those people. And they're, they're greatly shrinking. Each year, the average age of a motorcyclist uh, gets a year older. Okay. And so that population, uh, unfortunately, is, is, I don't want to say dying, but that's what mm -hmm. it is. It's dying, and the motorcycle business will, will continue to, to shrink until it just becomes a, a true niche in the adventure market. Um, there are some people that own motorcycles that like side-by-sides and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, watercraft people tend to be in their own class it's just okay. people that enjoy the water and in corpus we have a, an abundance of it and so there's all kinds of people that enjoy that that kind of product mm -hmm. uh, and same with side by sides it seems like a, so many people have an opportunity to use one in various capacities uh, with the new law that they just passed through the state uh, giving some street legalization mm -hmm. use out of it i think it'll continue to grow so. that will be very helpful i imagine especially in in our resort areas here mm -hmm. I imagine that's a great thing. So do you find a lot of brand loyalty since you guys do represent a handful of different brands? Is it like, I know I'll just use a, a brand that you don't represent, for example, as Harley Davidson. I know that Harley owners, from what I understand, tend to always be Harley owners. Do you find the same thing to be true with those that are buying side-by-sides or watercraft or even the Victory Motorcycles and Indian that y'all carry here? At one time, I think that there was some very dedicated, you know, like Kawasaki followers. And okay. it's really the reason why we took Indian on. Okay. Indian is the original American motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And we wanted, you know, a percentage of what Harley was doing. But, uh, you know, Harley is probably one of the biggest marketing companies in the world. You right. know, more people know that name and have it branded on their body than any yes. other brand in the world. So it's it's incredibly difficult to go up against that kind mm -hmm. of branding. Um, but as... You know, as society progresses, I don't see the, the same brand loyalty that I did when we started. You okay. know, I used to have people come in and they wanted a Yamaha this and that. Now they just come in, I want a motorcycle or okay. I want a jet ski. They don't know that a jet ski is Kawasaki, a Wave Runner's Yamaha, and a Sea-Doo is Can-Am. Like, they, they, right. they don't have any um, of that knowledge. They just want the product. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of going to the wayside a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about the watercraft because I noticed on your Instagram feed the other day that y'all had recently sold one that looks like it's pretty outfitted for fishing purposes as opposed to just pure water recreation. Do you see the market growing for um, jet-powered watercraft to compete with fishing boats or is that just a new special offering from one of your providers? Well, I would love for it to be the, the fit all for every fisherman in this town because uh, mm -hmm. then I'd probably be selling two to three times as many. <laughs> Um, the, the true fact is that the, the jet pump style vehicles that we sell uh, are limited in the Laguna. You know, everybody okay. wants to get a boat that, that can go in six inches of water. Mm -hmm. And while these can operate in six inches of water, they can't get up in six inches of water. Okay. They really need about two feet to maybe a little bit more, depending on what kind of bottom train you have. Okay. And so, uh, the fish pro is a, a new offering from sea mm -hmm. and it's a phenomenal product. And if you Price boats lately, right? It's very right. competitively. You want priced. a house, a boat, or would you like something you can actually afford? exactly? Yeah. You know, and and so for the for the price and the package and what it's capable of, it is a a great machine. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to get in the very back bay and it's really shallow, probably not the right one. But if okay. you want to go offshore, if you want to wade fish, uh, even duck hunt, I think it'd be it fit the bill for many many different purposes. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I, I'm excited because 
Sidu, uh, as opposed to say Yamaha and Kawasaki, what they're offering, Sidu is always looking at different markets. Yeah. What can we get in? They, they don't see as like, we want to own just one huge segment. They like to own a lot of little small segments and be the best at those segments. Okay. And that's what the Fish Pro's done. Last year we ordered 10. We sold every single one of them. Awesome. Most of them pre-sold before they came out of the box. This year we ordered 20 and I think we've already sold four of them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. So do you get to have input with your manufacturers as to what, um, other than what they see you ordering, do they call you and say, hey, what do you guys think would be a really hot product? Or what do you think about this kind of design? If we were to introduce this design, would that would that be a good seller in South Texas? Do they come to you for that kind of market information? Uh, you know, they do quarterly surveys okay. where we can give our dealer sentiment to them and let them know what we'd like to see. But aside from that, they, they have little groups of people called the dealer council. Okay. Uh, and they probably add a, a considerable amount of input that mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not members of any dealer council at this point in time. Okay. Uh, but I, I assume that they, they reach out a little bit. They do a lot of focus studies. Do you think your dad has had a lot of opportunity to influence Kawasaki, having been with the company for 40 plus years, give or take? A little bit. You know, growing up, every dealer meeting we went to, uh, Kawasaki was just like, it, it was a huge fraternity or a huge mm-hmm. family of people that, um, you know, it, it was incredible. And we'd go to a meeting, and I'd be so frustrated as a child. They, they used to have these great family meetings and we'd go out to Disney World or Disneyland and I wish they'd bring it back because sure. I'd love to take my kids on Kawasaki's dime. Of course. Um but we'd go, but it would be so difficult because my dad would know everybody mm-hmm. and we'd stop every five feet and he'd oh, want to talk and it's like, come on. But, uh, you know, as I grew up and would go to these meetings, um, it was really cool to meet these people that were on the, the ground floor with Kawasaki sure. when they started over there. And, and there's a few people left. My dad recently, um, we went out to Palm Springs a few months back okay. uh, for their, their meeting this year. And they haven't had meetings over the last few years just because of the, the economy and the power mm-hmm. sport industry. Um, but we went out there and there's, there's still a few people left, but there's a lot of new faces. And, and we talked about it on the way home. He's like, you know, it's, it's weird to see that change, sure. you know, and it's a passing of the torch kind of, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I think he's had some influence over the years, you know, being a DM helped him see a lot of sure. things that the average dealer doesn't see. And he could carry that knowledge back to the DM level when he became a, you know, a, a dealer. So. Did he have a formal transition plan in place for you and your brother here? Or was it a little bit more informal? Because you had mentioned, you know, you were coming in on nights and weekends, so to speak, through school. Was it just kind of, okay, Matt's ready and Matt's brother's ready? Or was it like, here, the formal plan is this, boys, and this is how we're going to do it? No, I mean, there was maybe a a formal desire, but not a a real plan. Okay. Um, You know, I I always had a sales mindset. I, I think my mom in like sixth grade bought a box of Airheads. And I took him to school and my friends wanted some. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll give you one. It's 50 cents. Right. And I started selling right there awesome. and went home that day. I need two more boxes and then I need a box of pencils because mm-hmm. pencil fighting was big. And I went through and I started selling stuff until the teacher said, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> but Entrepreneur at an early age. Yeah, sure. I was, you can, I mean, throughout most of my school and I was always trying to sell something because okay. I just, I liked the pursuit. I liked to. Uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, my dad did, you know, approach both my brother and I and, and basically gave us, uh, you know, not an ultimatum, but I, I guess a path of, you know, look, when you're choosing college, right, you mm-hmm. know, I, I we'll help you with college or we'll help you with where you live, uh, but you need to take care of one or the other. And okay. if you want to stay here, you have the opportunity to work for us. If you go elsewhere, that's fine, but you need to work and you have to have that working mindset. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that stuck in the back of my mind throughout high sure. school and, and, uh, I was a huge surfer in my last couple of years of, of high school and I mm-hmm. wanted so bad to go to California or Florida. 
And, um, you know, I ended up getting a full scholarship to A&M Corpus here, and I decided to stay here. Yeah. My housing was paid for. My school was paid for. So I was able to, you know, start saving yeah. money to, to buy my first house and never look back. It provides so much flexibility when you have those opportunities. And, you know, we both of us have young kids, and I'm sure we're both thinking about college and recognizing just how crazy expensive it's getting and will only be worse so when our kids you know, eight or 10 years from now when our kids start hitting the, the street in college, that to know that you were making able to make the decision at the time you were going to school to not come out with a substantial amount of debt gave you, I imagine, a lot of flexibility and the opportunity, like you said, to save for your first house. And I hope that our girls have that same, that same chance from the George household. Um, my parents were able to help me out with that a lot. And I, I still, to this day, appreciate it because it just allowed me to be more flexible in my choices, mm-hmm. which was really nice. Um, when it comes to your brother and you dividing the duties within the business, the management structure of the business, are you two the only managers of the business or are there other managers that work with you on a council of sorts or how does the structure here work? Well, family business is never easy. I'll, I'll begin with that. Um, and, you know, when we had a GM up until 14 okay, and he uh, made the decision to retire about two weeks before he took Indian on okay. and... Uh, caused a little bit of, of panic within my father. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I, it was actually time for him to leave. He had a different mentality. And, and while I appreciate everything he taught me, and from a sales standpoint, I was ready to take the reins. And, and uh, you know, uh, while my brother's older than me, he's got a different business sense. He's, okay. a, he's a great technician, um, not so much the best organized person or mm-hmm. uh, people person, but he also wanted to, to step up. And so... I stepped up at that time to the GM position. He stepped up into our service management okay. position. And uh, for the most part, it, it, it worked. You awesome. know, uh, It worked really well. As we continued to just grow, as I added more brands, the responsibilities continued to um, just increase. And mm-hmm. so uh, we've always had you know, somebody deemed a parts manager and somebody deemed a service manager. Uh, now you know, I have a dedicated finance manager, a dedicated sales manager, a okay. uh, dedicated parts manager. And then a, a new service manager, Brian, now um, really kind of oversees our fleet business okay. and then the golf cart business. Because I, I see that the golf cart side of our business will will continue to double over the next few years. So. so let's talk a little bit about the golf cart business. Is that sales and rentals or is that rentals only or what does that look like? Uh, initially, it was sales and service only. Okay. Uh, just, I just saw the opportunity as an island resident. I saw, you know, we, we moved off the island for two years Um to, to build our house. And okay. from that time period, from when we left to coming back, there was just a dramatic increase mm-hmm. in the presence on, on the North Padre side of, sure. of the island. You know, Port Aransas, it's always been a huge staple, or at least mm-hmm. the last 15 plus years. Um, and so seeing that, I, I, I thought I need to carry something that I can sell because at that time, UTVs weren't legal out there. Some right. people were operating them, but it was a gray area. A customer would come in, you want to sell them something, but you can't tell them that they can legally operate right. it. Right. Or else you get yourself in trouble. Um, so we, you know, I, I reached out to a couple different manufacturers. I was able to get to the Yamaha brand mm-hmm. uh, golf carts. We took them on, and and I opened that that location out there as a, just a opportunity to see what's there. And through that, we had so much interest in rentals mm-hmm. that we, uh, my wife and I, kind of did this as a side project. Uh, developed Joyride Rental Co. Okay, and. Uh, that's really the the solid income stream, and, and I think that's what it will be moving forward. We'll sell a few units each year mm-hmm. out of it, but I think the rental business and the opportunity that it presents uh, will be huge. Do you think that the new law um, allowing more UTV use on public roads 
is going to affect the purchases of golf carts for use in the same capacity? Maybe a little bit, but okay. I, I think less than 10%, to be honest with okay. you. You know, um, the, the side-by-sides are really nice. And I, I, when my boys were younger and my family was younger, I liked to have a side-by-side out there because I could put car seats in it and mm-hmm. it just felt safer. The older I get, the golf carts we sell are, are more quiet, they're right. open air. They kind of fit the beach better, right? They're a little bit easier to clean off. Okay. Um, if you can only afford one vehicle, then, you know, a side-by-side works. If you want to take it to the ranch or at the beach, it, yeah. it kind of fits the bill all the way around. They're faster, but mm-hmm. in the end, uh, it takes up more space in your garage. And so, you know, there's a lot to be considered or a lot to weigh when you're considering the two. Uh, I, I don't see Port Aransas ever adopting the UTV law. I think okay. they will stick, um, you know, with, with the same law structure that they have. I, I don't think that they want to add any more vehicles out there right. if they can avoid it. So I, I think there will always be a, a golf cart customer to, to go after. So with Joyride, do you have locations on the North Padre Island and in Port A also, or do you yeah, where ju- are you? Just on North Padre. I, okay. I, I see Port Aransas as completely crowded enough. and uh, There's a few. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few. Uh-huh. It's incredible how many there are. Mm-hmm. But uh, just the island, I did uh, start moving some carts out to Rockport okay. and to, uh, to grow that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I partnered with a a guy that owns a few hotels out there. And so okay. he's going to control the rental fleet and use his staff to do it. I'm just going to provide oh, the nice. carts and the marketing. Yeah, yeah so that was a good another, idea. Another opportunity. I, I like that idea out there and, and really how this law has changed the island. I don't know how strict our, our police department will be on it, but one of the things about Rockport is you, you can't drive on the beach because there's no right. beach to drive on, but you can't operate at night. And so it really, it really okay. lessens your, your risk. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about somebody going out and drinking and going to a bar in a car. Right. Um, whereas on the island here, you know, it, it's technically been on the books that you're not supposed to drive at night, but people do. And sure. in Port Aransas, they drive all hours of the night. Right. You know, we had one just on Monday that somebody rented it and they drove it over to Burger Co., which they shouldn't even cross that intersection, mm-hmm. parked it across two spaces, lost the keys. Oh, man. Like called my, my staff in the morning. They went over there and there's like four open beer containers sure. in there. And I'm just like... I don't know what goes through people's minds sometimes. Right. You know, um, but. Hey, uh, it's the beach life and you yeah. know, to some extent too, <laughs> some right? Some people you are just of, on vacation mindset. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You kind of lose your mind sometimes. And that's, that's the beauty of being out there. And that's also the, one of the opportunities you have as a business owner to learn how to work through those mm-hmm. challenges for sure. Yeah. So do you see the rental business expanding beyond the coastal bend? Do you think about going to South Padre Island or other places like that? Probably not. I, I would love to, to have a big enough fleet where I can, you know, catered to events during the off season. Okay. You know, um, sure. I recently did one for the Buck Commission mm-hmm. um, out at the uh, at the DEA Ranch, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Done a few barbecue competitions and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I had an opportunity to try to open an Indian dealership in the Valley a few years back, and I and I considered it, but I just don't want to be traveling back and forth yeah. that much. I I like to to be with my family each night if I can do that. That's so, a wonderful thing for sure. Uh, and keeping everything close is yeah. able to do that. And the Valley is a different environment too. It's a, you know, we lived down there for a couple of years and uh, culturally it can be very similar, but it also is very different in the, in the um, protectionism of its local people. So yeah. it, it, they're very diligent to support their local businesses and they know who owns, who's local and who's not. So there, it presents a unique opportunity for people that want to move in from out of town. They um, kind of have to hire a local person to help make sure that everybody's okay with the new business coming in you know i've heard that (laughs) it's an interesting spot for sure and i think that's one of the great things about south texas culture too is that we do tend to look out for 
those that are willing to invest in our own places. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably one of the reasons that y'all have been successful since 86 here is that everybody knows it's a locally owned business and, and that CC Cycle Plaza is a place that takes care of the local folks. Let's talk a little bit about the fleet business because that's not something that people see when they drive by. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have a fleet of white side by side sitting out front like someone might see at a car dealership, a fleet of white trucks and just yeah. maybe they don't know, but at least it's an identifiable thing. That's part of a fleet business. What does that look like for you guys here? Um, it, it's just uh, another segment that that has been constantly growing and, okay. and uh, evolving. Um, I think my first real fleet deal I uh, went after was Flint Hills, and it's probably been six or seven years ago now. Okay. Um, you know, I, I just started making phone calls, trying to figure out how to get into some of these plants. Mm-hmm. They just needed one or two units, and I, I walked into a, a 23-unit deal back then. Awesome. And, and it, it's so, like, coming full circle that they just called me last week and, hey, we've got some money. I need four more units, you know, and that's a good relationship uh, to get a a simple phone call like that is good. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once I got that first opportunity like that, I started getting my wheels turning. Like I I need to be more proactive in this. Um, Not something I I see my sales staff going after because they want to react to who's coming in the door. And in a lot of these cases, people just come in and want, you kind of have to seek them out. But Mm -hmm. uh, the amount of growth and you know oil and gas business that's coming here, the the port, right. the expansion on it, it's just created an abundance of opportunity for that. That's um, awesome. And so you know, I, at this point this year, uh, over thirty five percent of my business will be fleet based. Awesome. You know, I I wish it paid retail profits, sure, sure. but it, it's still it's a means to the ends, and it's. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an added benefit of the, the business. Do you offer on the fleet side of things? Do you all also have maintenance contracts for each of the vehicles that go out to the fleet sites? We do. You okay. know, so, some of the companies have their own physical plant where mm-hmm. they take care of everything. Uh, but, you know, Chenier is one of our, our bigger fleet local customers. Okay. And, um, you know, we have a complete service agreement with them. They call us. We go pick the units up, bring them back here, do all the service work, any anything that they need done to it. Mm-hmm. And we get it back to them typically within a few days. So what does the overall business look like from a, um, a a style of vehicle perspective? So watercraft versus side-by-side UTV versus motorcycle. What are the percentages that each of those make up of the business? You know, I should know that off the top of my head at this point. <laughs> uh, I'm not through the end of the year. We won't tell your dad I, about I the podcast, it, right? But, uh, yeah. You know, if I'm just using the off the top of my head, mm-hmm. if I'm looking at everything that we've sold this year, it's probably like 60% UTV, okay. uh, 20 or probably 15% watercraft. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the rest of it, 25 more or less percent motorcycles of some fashion. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Um, that's an exciting percentage for the UTV side-by-side space. Do you see most of those going? Um, does that include the fleet business first? That, that did. Include, okay. Yeah. And then Outside of the fleet business, do most of those side-by-sides go for ranch and rural use, or do you see most of those going for more urban use, like at the beaches and so forth? Probably, uh, you know, it's really hard to tell. People okay. just buy them for various reasons. Some people, hey, mm-hmm. I just bought an acre of land, and you, know, and you don't really consider that a ranch, right? but they use it, you know? Sure. And uh, uh, with the growth of the south side, we're, we're getting a lot more uh, mm-hmm. opportunity out there because people want to drive it around their, their master plan community. So Sure. I just think it's it's a wide mix. Okay. You know, Corpus, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky that we have the surrounding communities, but there's not a lot of, I guess, ranch opportunity that, that say, like Victoria has. There's some okay. really big farm and ranches sure. up there. The, the big farm and ranchers that I know here are, are further south. And so okay. we do get with some of them, but um, we have a very diverse mix, I'd say. 
Let's talk for a second about Mahindra's product, Roxor, that y'all had at the airport for a while, which I uh, stared at for 20 minutes one day because it's so interesting. First, I was confused because I thought it was a Jeep because it looks so much like the old Willis Jeeps. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that product line come about here at, for you guys? And do you see those Roxor vehicles um, being a hot item for y'all to sell? Well, um, so the opportunity presented itself five days after I signed on taking Can-Am and Sea-Doo oh, wow. on, awesome. which I, I didn't have the space for them. You know, uh-huh. I, initially I only wanted Sea-Doo, okay. and when I found out that the, the local dealer in town terminated, mm. I had the Sea-Doo rep in here within a week. Sure. Um, and they said, "We'll give you Sea-Doo, but you got to take in or take on our, our Can-Am product." Okay. I don't want to add any more. We're already tied. Mm-hmm. And then I went and test drove one. I'm like, "Yeah, I'll sell this. So let's bring it on." And so I just finished all the paperwork uh-huh. a couple of days later. Um, my my old Yamaha rep worked for Mahindra at that time, calls me up and says, hey, I got a new product. Mm-hmm. I said, Johnny, I don't, I'm not really interested. He's like, look, I'm just going to tell you one thing and then tell me again if you're not interested. I just visited the five, there's five dealers. We call them the Texas Mafia okay. like, loosely because okay. they're just, they're a great bunch of guys and mm-hmm. they're, they're wealth and they're powerhouses. And he said, I, I talked to all of them and they all signed same day. Wow. There's not too often you, you sign for a new product on the mm-hmm. same day. You kind of think about it. Sure. Like I signed every single one of them the day I brought this product. You can call any one of them and mm-hmm. ask. I think you, you'd want this product. I said, okay, Johnny, bring it down. Right. You know, and he pulls up with a covered trailer, rolls it out. I'm like, what the heck? Like, right. That's a Jeep, what is you this know? thing? And, right. And, uh, you know, Roxor is uh, it's a Mahindra-based product, right? And they've been building that thing in uh, India, known as the THAR, Okay. Since the war, uh, mm-hmm. since World War II, they, yeah, they, they got pictures. the rights from Fiat Chrysler or whoever it was back then to okay. build it as part of the war efforts. And we're able to continue building it over there as a regular uh, um, passenger vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a huge seller or a huge selling vehicle over there. Mahindra itself is a, a privately held company, right. very cash rich. Mm-hmm. And so they made the decision, we want to invest in America. It's a huge growth sector. They saw the side-by-side business as a, a huge opportunity, but I, I really do believe that this is their stepping stone into getting into the on-road business. Okay. They, they've kind of alluded to that multiple times that mm-hmm. we, we didn't go to tractor dealers with this. We went right. to power sport dealers because they know how to sell this. And it, the the parent company is actually called uh, Mahindra North American Automotive. Okay. And so there, there's some underlying sign there yeah. that, that say that they will have an on-road offering. It's not going to be the, the rocks or I'm mm-hmm. sure it'll be a SUV or a car or something of that nature. Okay. But, uh, um, you know, it's an incredible machine. Mm-hmm. We don't sell a lot of them, but it's a great traffic driver. Uh, the people that do have a big working ranch, uh, one of my, my bigger customers for is La Paloma. I okay. Sure. Heard yeah, of them, absolutely. But down south, huge uh-huh. uh, cattle and deer ranch. Mm-hmm. And, and they have a few of them out there and they love them. I bet. Um, we have our own family ranch out by Alice. and. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of cycle through a lot of the product, but most recently I have one out there. And I, I just think, you know, if you don't need to go fast and cross, I mean, even if you need to go fast, it's good for that. For us, just cruising the fence lines, yeah. it's an incredible machine. It's got enough torque to just roll at, you know, five or eight miles wow. an hour on its own. And you That's don't have awesome. to do any work. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've really come to appreciate it. Yeah, they look really, I mean, I, I hope people take an opportunity to come into the shop and take a look at them because they're, they are fascinating looking vehicles and they, um, they seem like they're going to find a real niche where people will order them for maybe generations, you know, they'll hit like kind of that market. And then anybody that has ever owned a Mahindra tractor already trusts the brand. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that own the Mahindra tractors, which are, you know, they have some, I'll call them um, urban cowboy type models, but a lot of their, their tractor movement, at least in my experience, we talked about before we started recording, they sell a lot of big tractors mm-hmm. that haul and move lots of big stuff. 
and the people that own ranches that need that kind of work, I'm probably, I would imagine they would enjoy an opportunity to put a Mahindra Oxer out there too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that engine is, is so capable of right. what it can do. It, it's really, because of EPA, it's underpowered, but mm-hmm. I, uh, I think the fourth one we sold, the guy was just south of Austin, but uh, he was a transportation guy for us. So he saw we had, I want to buy one from y'all. Okay. He sends me a picture. He had a, a big, you know, dump truck out at his house dropping a, a load of gravel. Mm-hmm. And it got stuck in the wet grass and he used that rock score to pull it out. And it, I was like, no way. No he way. sends me a video of it actually pulling it out. Wow. And I'm like, that's sure. That's just cool. Maybe <laughs> someone should buy a couple to run a get people unstuck at the beach business with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there might be some 17 year olds around town that need to. Uh, quit using dad's truck and start using their own rock store for that. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're in talks right now. I think they're, you know, I haven't followed it in the last couple of months, but they were one of the last two, I think it was between them and one other manufacturer for the new postal uh, vans. Oh, wow. Postal Jeeps, yeah. whatever you want to call it. So Hendra's definitely, uh, they're, they're doing, they're playing their cards right. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it for sure. So what brands um, or other kinds of products would you be excited to be able to offer here in the shop? That's a good question. I, I don't know. Okay. I, uh, with, uh, you know, living on the water, mm-hmm. I, I'm always been a, a water guy. Just, I, I love surfing and got into sailing. I, I'm gradually getting back into that now that okay. the kids are of age. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would love to carry boats if I could. I, I just see a tremendous amount of opportunity for sure. it. And we do have a lot of boat dealers in town mm-hmm. and they already carry probably most of the great brands, but, uh, if I had the space and if there was one other thing that I was going to sell, it would probably be boats. I, I couldn't see anything mm-hmm. outside of that. Have you seen these? Um, I see a guy at HEB regularly who's got it. It's a boat, B-O-T-E, stand-up paddleboard that's got a little outboard or looks mm-hmm. like almost a trolling motor on the back of it. And I don't know if there's a dealer for those in town, but um, as we see the ability of the stand-up paddleboard kayak kind of merger where now people are able to, there's a company called Diablo Paddle Sports out of Austin that does it, where you have a fully functioning kayak, but it also works like a stand-up paddleboard. It's got the same balance. It has a, it's a shallower seat and you can actually get a, um, what looks more like a regular four-legged chair that mounts on top of it. So you can paddle from a seated upright position versus a legs out in front of you position. I wonder if we'll see the the BOTE boat become a more popular option down here for those that are kayak type fishermen or those that um, want to try something really shallow. Yeah. I, I haven't researched it. I know the brand you're talking okay. about. I, you know, through the rental business, I thought about renting like BOTE or I don't, yeah. I don't know the correct pronunciation, but uh, they make a, like a big platform. Yeah. Right. About, like an inflatable, like an inflatable thing. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. a floating dock. Right. Yes. And, and I thought about renting those for the <coughs> island because a lot of people like to get together in the canals on the weekends. <laughs> and so I, I, I definitely researched the brand. Um, uh, in the last year or two, I, I think there was a dealer out in the bluff that opened up with the Hobie kayaks and they make okay. a great, you know, kayak and, mm-hmm. and some options very similar to that. So, okay. I, I look at it a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I haven't, uh, looked that in depth to mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I think we were approached by Roy's bait and tackle, uh, a while back through my service department. They wanted us to be the servicing dealer for some kayak that had some kind of propulsion system okay. to it. Uh, but I haven't, we haven't worked on one to date that I mm-hmm. know of. <laughs> well, I, and I haven't seen many out on the water and I'm certainly no one to say that I'm the be all, the end all know all guy who knows what's happening on the water. But when I saw this kayak in the back of this dude's F-150, I thought that's a pretty easy get off of the shore fishing solution for someone who can't drop, you know, 65 on a 
I won't list a brand, but on a new boat. Yeah. Let's say, you know, they still want to get in real skinny water, but yet they can't, I don't they know, can't the justify the to buy a mortgage. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. I mean, you could buy, like I said earlier, you buy a house, buy a truck or get yourself a new boat. Yeah. But in this case, it's another option, kind of like the fish pro that y'all have here from sea which is another great option like that to get offshore off of the shore yeah. without, you know, basically selling your house to do it. Yeah. No, I, I, I see that. I mean, that's kind of the, the funny evolution of the life cycle of products, right? right. You know, skis, when we, we started in the business or from what I can remember in the, the mid to late nineties, the ski business is what kept us in business. Sure. Uh, there was a very big bubble and, and motorcycles weren't really mm-hmm. moving. Uh, Kawasaki was the only one to have a side-by-side at that time. And the mule, uh, was the right. original, it's the original side-by-side. They developed it just to, to go into a commercial business, but it started to gain popularity. But you know, the skis we used to sell, you could lift up, two people could put it in the back of a pickup truck, right. you know, and you know, the stand-up skis. I grew up riding all those. Oh, Kawasaki yeah. recently mm-hmm. took the same engine that they put in their biggest three-seater, they put it in the stand-up. And oh, it's man. an incredible machine, but sure. it takes four of us to lift it and put it on like a, right. a, a stand, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's not something you can just take to the beach and go, you know, and right. there are plenty of times um, when I was growing up, I had buddies, we'd just put a ski in the back of the truck and go and ride. Mm-hmm. And you just can't do that in this day and age. So No, they make them a lot heavier. So maybe there is an, an, uh, an entry-level product opportunity there for someone who's a creative product designer. For sure. We'll see what come, they come up with. So let's get a little bit personal. Um, yeah. I know that you're married. You all have three kiddos. Um, what are some of the things that you enjoy about having a power sport business in relation to the family? I know the kids probably aren't driving their own yet, but do they love riding on the products? Do they have a favorite product line? What do you all enjoy with them on those? Well, uh, you know, Natalie uh, is very protective over our children. Good. So that they've mm-hmm. been very uh, limited at, as to what they've been exposed to. Um, you know, as we were discussing earlier, we, we recently in the last year or so purchased a ranch. And mm-hmm. so that's given us the first opportunity to, to really go out there and enjoy some of these products. Um, you know, aside from living on the island, we had... I've taken golf carts and side by sides okay. home and it's fun to drive down the road to the beach, but it's not the same capacity as, you know, driving down Senderos and looking sure. for wildlife and seeing deer and hogs mm-hmm. and, and uh, rabbits. So we definitely enjoy that. Um, we, this year we started carrying a, um, a little electric bike called, um, a Stasic. Oh really? And so okay. it's a balanced bike, uh-huh. you know, and a little backstory is that my boys, one of the first things that we got them right when they turned one were these Strider balance mm-hmm. bikes. Oh, yeah. And they literally learned how to walk with those things mm-hmm. and started riding their bicycles, um, you know, I guess between two and three. Like wow, they've they've that's been awesome. great, like bike enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Alex, he is on his second or third tire from his most recent bike. Awesome. He rides that thing like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so he wants a dirt bike so bad, but <laughs> right. I don't know if I'll ever right. convince Natalie until he's maybe, uh, a teenager who knows that's okay but uh the little electric uh balance bikes we take one out there and Mm -hmm. they're nice because they have different speed controls and all three of the kids get to ride it out oh that's fine you know they don't go crazy fast Mm -hmm. and it's light enough to where if they do fall it's not hurting them right right um, that part's very fun that is for sure um do you ever when you think about adding new product lines to the store do you think about okay my kids are what first grade and younger and this would be a great product to add in that age group? Or do you think I'm just excited about my kids being able to try out some of the stuff that we offer and this is a new thing that I think they'll enjoy? You know, I've thought about it with like like go-karts. There, mm-hmm. There's a part of me that would like to carry uh, some kind of offering there. I wish the manufacturers that we sold had them. 
the hard sure. part is that most of the, the go-kart product line that I find out there is not um, of a quality make. It's all right. Chinese made and I don't want to put my name. I, I did that a few years back. I carried a brand that wasn't a, a high quality brand mm -hmm. and I heard nothing but, I had nothing but grief from my customers about it. And I don't blame them. I, they were disappointed in it sure. as was I and mm -hmm. I, I don't want to go through that again. I always want to be confident in what I sell. So I, I mean, you know, in our industry, there's just not that much I could probably okay. bring them for opportunity and, and, and maybe, you know, for me, I, I'm, you know, I'm happy with them coming of age that we can get sailing again. And sure. ideally I, I get them out surfing in the next year or two. And then I get back into that. You mm -hmm. know, that used to be just a, an everyday part of my life. And, you know, I've probably paddle surfed five times in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I got really big into kiteboarding too for a sure. while. And, uh, I can't wait for them to come into that if they mm -hmm. choose to. And that's what I. Do you see an opportunity for either Joyride or CC Cycleplex to get into any of the board sports like that as a as a retailer? I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe Joyride. I, I have paddle boards that I rent, okay. and so I'll probably add some there. Um, the retail sales side of it, I think we have some good operators mm -hmm. already in town. You know, Wind and Wave and Dockside have both been staples in our our town for decades. Right. You know. Um, and so I, I don't, you know, at this point I don't see selling it, but I definitely on the rental side, okay. um, I, I just signed a lease and got the keys on Monday for the new joyride location. We're moving from Commodore, mm -hmm. you know, uh, SPID and Commodore to Whitecap and SPID. There's oh, great. A, a, an old liquor store that was right there. Oh yeah. Whitecap liquor. Uh -huh. And so, uh, it's in the process of being gutted right now and uh, will hopefully mm -hmm. be open by February. Well, that's very exciting. And they've got those new, um, the new condos that just opened at the end of Whitecap there at the mm -hmm. beach. And hopefully the hotel down the road will... The Holiday Inn is supposed to be open get by spring break. Right? That'd be There's awesome. There's another guy that just signed a deal to build a, another um, multi-unit complex near the end of Leeward or okay. Whitward. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of growth going on out yeah. there. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And going to have your own grocery store. Yeah, that's so huge. Fun, <laughs> for sure. Uh, admittedly though, we use shipped probably 90% of the time. So I yes. don't know how much it'll help, but there is always that one time that, that you need something. So, well, we are also very faithful shipped users at the house for sure. But you know, for someone coming in from out of town, it would be very nice to be able to pick up their groceries somewhat more locally for sure. Hit that last, like you said, the thing that you just didn't realize you needed when you were making your shipped order. Yeah. It'd be fun to have. Um, so with the, with the new, joyride location i know that there's a lot of open space around where that liquor store was is that part of the property for the liquor store that you can have kind of a display area or is that going to be in the liquor store parking lot so yes and no i mean i, I think i'm gonna use it and, and ask for okay. forgiveness gotcha. until then i do know that that uh, one of my competitors <coughs> actually owns the property directly behind it oh funny okay. but he'd have to put in a road to access mm -hmm. it and we know that it takes a long time and a lot of money to put in a road right um, and so, uh, at this point, you know, I, I'm just going to clear the grass around it, park the carts there and, okay. and just continue to react to the, the wants and needs of our, our customer base mm -hmm. out there. My goal is to hopefully add, um, you know, something like the, the VZs had downtown, the, the scoop shack. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would Absolutely. really love to, to offer ice cream there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, kites, I, I have this, this vision um, of, just a, a very large kite flying from that building. I, I saw one yep. on the way to Port Aransas one time. Mm -hmm. I think it was out of an RV park and I could see it for miles. Oh, like, yeah. What is that? And so I, I picture this kite flying and people stopping like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And then we have some kites for sale. You know, just anything that we can do to, to capitalize on the people coming in. Because, right. you know, this time of year, there there's little to no income for that business. Mm -hmm. so you have, you know, six to eight months to make 
enough money to cover four months right, of very right. costly expenses that when there's no income coming sure. in. Sure. So. so Emily, when you listen to this show, be sure you look up Matt and you bring the Scoop Shack out to the new Joyride location because <laughs> they do have a little Scoop Shack portable trailer. So Oh, do they? They do. Oh, excellent. They do, yeah. That would be fun for them to bring out. I'm just making a connection here for you guys. Yeah, I tried to actually have lunch with them last okay. week and then we, something came up and we got sure. sidetracked. Well, that would be awesome. I think it'd be, um, I think that's one of those things as my girls were mentioning in the car on the way to school this morning, Corpus needs a candy shop and they're convinced that it's going to go in on Alameda at Robert ish where the old retirement village was. It's going to get knocked down. They think, they think that's going to have a candy shop there, which would be <laughs> great. Be I hope it does. It should be a giant. Well, that's of course, and we're talking about a 10 year old and a seven year old. So they yeah. would love to have a giant candy shop. But then I do think that, um, I think that Corpus can definitely be well served by more people that are willing to try something different like the VZs did with Scoop Shack. I think that that would be an amazing thing to have on the island um, because I think it's attractive to people who are coming to visit. And ultimately, that's who drives business out there, right, are the people that come to visit. So when they can come and they can see something unique that they're not getting in their hometown, wherever they're coming from, then it's going to make them enjoy the experience more, Mm -hmm. the service that they get from the folks that are serving them out there, like you guys do a joyride and then a unique experience like a scoop shack trailer would be pretty fun. I think for people coming in. Yeah, most definitely. So let's talk, um, as we kind of wrap up here, what are you guys as the Workoven family excited about, whether it's things to do with the family or things in the business coming up in the near future in Corpus? I mean, I'm excited about just all the change that's happening right mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm a, you know, a, a huge Island fan. I, I love the idea of the North beach project. I, yeah. I think that's just tremendous and mm-hmm. such a, a good thing for Corpus. You know, I, I will say that I've, um, changed my stance on growth in Corpus a lot over the last five to 10 years. You know, I, I destination Bayfront, I was just so adamantly against like who in their right mind wants to come to Corpus to go to the Bayfront downtown even though it's gorgeous right if we're honest with ourselves everybody's coming to the island but you know now i, I have a different view we, we need to develop that downtown it absolutely needs to, to to grow and to retain our youth mm-hmm. so that that this the city doesn't just remain left behind right you know and and so the north beach project i i think is i i mean that's it that is just mm-hmm. like amazing um, at the same time that they're approving that, they they approved or the, they finalized the funding for the island water exchange bridge, right? Uh, which is one of the reasons why I saw the need to move my my store when I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see if that really goes through. You know, it's Corpus, so there is always some hurdles for everything to jump through. And I don't believe any project until the dirt's actually being right moved. until it's turned. Sure. Uh, but if that marina comes up, you know, I met with a developer for that mm-hmm. you know, about a year ago, and he was telling me, you know, Port Aransas has. 800 square foot or, you know, some number, but basically it's two thirds of the time or not two thirds. Basically it's three times the size uh, of water frontage that the Port Aransas Marina has Okay. of what wow. he has the opportunity to do. He, he came and sat in here because he, he sees a, a rental business of sorts mm-hmm. within there where sure. there's, you know, paddle boards and kayaks and he said skis. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want the liability of ski rentals, but you know, the rest of it, right. um, Seems interesting. I'll sell you a fleet, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a, a dream, you know, for out there if it if it happens, or even mm-hmm. on North Beach. I, I haven't uh, tried to reach out to the Frasers or anything about this, but uh, the um, I, I don't know if you've ever been to California. Mm-hmm. But one of our, our things that we love doing, my um, and I, I was introduced to this through my cousin out there, but a Duffy boat. Okay, you ever heard of it? Never. And so in 
Newport Marina and even San Diego, mm -hmm. there are these little electric boats that, um, you know, they do about seven knots, okay. but they seat 10 to 12 people. Mm -hmm. They're very comfortable. They're super quiet. They all have stereos and tables. And I just think it would be a perfect area to, you know, if Absolutely. you could go rent for, you know, an afternoon mm -hmm. and go cruise the canals or cruise that marina, you know, not going offshore, but right. just a scenic cruise. Uh, it's really a fun thing. You know, I'm, I've been on the island almost 10 years now and I, I still just love it cruising through the canal Absolutely. system. It's just, it's peaceful. It's nice. Mm -hmm. It'd be so. kind of fun to have those duck boats like they have in Austin too that can drive on the land and then go in the water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those are pretty neat too. For sure. Um, well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for both your flexibility with me and my crazy schedule and then taking the time to visit with us today. Well, my pleasure. I, I thank you uh, for having me and, and uh, love to do it again anytime. Okay. Well, we'll do an update down the All road right. for sure. Thank All you, right. Matt. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. It's always fun to hear stories of second-generation business owners who have expanded the family business, which Matt has certainly done at CC Cycle Plaza. You can also hear the inner entrepreneur in Matt as he works to meet his customers where their needs are. To get Matt on the show, I accosted him one Wednesday morning at chapel at Annapolis Christian Academy, where we both have children enrolled. And I'm very grateful that Matt forgave my intrusion and agreed to come on the show. Please follow CC Cycle Plaza on Instagram at cycle underscore plaza. And Joyride Rental at Joyride Rental Co. Be sure to check out Joyride Rental's new location at SPID and Whitecap, too. It should be open in early-ish 2020. Also, please follow us on Instagram at Echocorpus. Thank you to our infrastructure partners, the Sound Guys, Clint Tucker Homes, and Sawyer Audiology. And thank you for taking time to listen.